All righty. We are back. We, we are back. And we are back talking about a film for this episode. Yeah. So what is the film we are talking about, Sir Zach? We are doing a movie review for the movie The Avengers. The Avengers. Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I don't. I, I was like going to try to hum out the theme song, but I don't want to do disgrace to that great theme yeah, song. Yeah, you don't want to disgrace Alan Silvestri. Nope. He gave us Back to the Future in this. You know, you don't want to. <laughs> disrespect the man yeah even though we kind of did with john williams when we tried to hum star wars but that's that, that's a whole nother thing yeah i don't want to touch it i don't wanna, i don't want to try no no there's a reason why we're not uh singers or going into <laughs> music no by no means okay so how do you want to attack this i just want to attack by just saying that i think we're probably talking about one of the most important superhero films mm. ever. I mean, you know, we have you have the early superhero films. You have Superman, which basically started the whole superhero franchise off. Then you have Batman and the mm-hmm. Dark Knight, where they kind of ushered in the dark superhero films. And then you had the early Marvel years with Spider-Man and X-Men. But then the Avengers came, and that just kind of blew everything out of the water. I mean, you had they. It's really started the MCU off, right? I mean, even though Iron Man was a huge success, which we already talked about, but the Avengers really solidified what a blockbuster superhero film would be like, hmm. and just kind of ushered in how we kind of view superhero films today as being team up films and you know trying to create cinematic universes, which DC's tried to do. Mm-hmm. Well, MonsterVerse. I think that's still going on, and a couple others that just haven't quite been as successful, but they really started off with the event, so I think we're talking about a big one here. Yeah, we are, and uh, start off with uh, all the many strengths that this movie has. I mean, we just kind of mentioned that we couldn't do the score. I think that's probably the most remem- like memorable thing of the entire MCU is, you know, you have all these individual characters with their own scores, yay, but... Mm-hmm. It's becoming very much just like Star Wars. Like, you hear that music, and everyone thinks MCU, Avengers. That's just... that that's The score is literally top tier. Um, oh, yeah. Amazing. I, I put it up, up there with Superman and Batman and Spider-Man, just among the scores that once you hear a few bars of that score, you immediately know what film it is. Yeah. Like, it, it's just become that iconic. I think it's, it's definitely, like, the one of the top five scores in the last 10 years maybe oh just but i completely agree um yeah for sure yeah yeah definitely i mean al silvestri you know he gave us back to the future and you know he gave us this one you just you got you gotta hand it to him you know mm-hmm. and it's, it's it just it, it's like it's not gonna be done again like you know, we had Justice League, you have the X-Men, you have all these other team-up movies that came out, but, like, I mean, the X-Men does probably have their own music, but, like, I mean, they do. I Now that I think about it, they do kind of have their X-Men theme. Well, once you get to X2, that's when you yeah. have the iconic theme that Brian Singer brought back in the Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, yeah. which I consider that their main theme, you know, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. But it's just not iconic. Like, I don't even remember it as much as the Avengers does. And it's just, it's, I was well, just listening to it yesterday and it was, it was great. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the X-Men films aren't as popular as the Marvel Avengers films, for sure. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's never going to be as iconic. But Mm -hmm. I I think it's still an iconic theme. It's just the Avengers is more mainstream. Everybody knows what the Avengers theme is. Kind of similar to when people hear the John Williams Superman theme. They know immediately what that is. So I I think it's in that high tier. And you got to give it props for that. All right. So we we got on music. We got the music done. You have a... You see a couple highs, and I'll just mark these off, because we definitely have the same. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to start off right off the bat by just talking about how I love how this film starts out. You know, mm. it starts out with action. And in an action film, if you want to get our attention, you start with an action set piece. Mm. And Josh Whedon did that brilliantly with this action set piece of this shield base where Loki comes and steals the Tesseract and, you know... Like mind controls people and the whole building explodes like that that's just an awesome scene because you know we get introduced back to you know back to shield back to nick fury and those guys and you also get reintroduced to loki and it, it just gets you in the, in the good mood of the film that like mm-hmm. oh man this is awesome like they're in dire straits we need to call the avengers like it's such a great such a great motif to, to kind of start out that way and so i i like it I, i've always uh, appreciated that opening and i really uh like that here so stress we did a did a good job uh, d- directing uh that beginning action sequence um i also really like I, I don't know if you necessarily have this but i have this as a high that this movie fixed characters that were problematic to me in the mcu okay who uh, uh, I, I go to three because i mean okay they did expand on characters that were already great you know like iron man and colson and you know thor characters that were already great mm. but they fixed characters that i wasn't necessarily a huge fan of uh, especially having watched all the mcu films previously there are some characters that i had issues with the first one is loki okay uh i wasn't really a huge fan I mean, hmm. I don't. I wasn't a huge fan of his like Shakespearean tragedy kind of characterization. I mean, I don't, I don't think that was really the right direction to take Loki. But they fixed it in Avengers. They just made him a straight up bad guy. Yeah, and I think it worked. Be- I think it worked for this film. It worked for the character because he's cunning. He's you know he gives these snarky remarks. He's got this great plan to. You know, bring the army down to just you know rule the world. You know, and he's just a fun villain. Like I, I really think that they fixed him to be a good villain for this Avengers team. So I really like that they fixed him in essence in Avengers and made him great. Made him one of the best villains in my opinion of the MCU. Not the greatest, but one of the best. Okay. I, I think the, I think they also fixed Black Widow because uh, the previous film she was in was Iron Man two, mm-hmm. and I. I didn't really care for an Iron Man 2. She really felt kind of shoehorned in there to kind of promote the Avengers because the Avengers was two years away at that point. So she just felt squeezed in there and there really wasn't that much to her. But they fixed her. They made her someone who was tough, someone who could fight with the boys because she's the only girl on the team. Mm -hmm. And they really, what I like about her also is that they make her cunning. Like they make her, you know, great deceiver. You know, like in the the opening act, the opening scene with her, where yeah. you know she's tied up to a chair. She's interrogating. She, she's interrogating exa- them. Exactly. She's, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's just really cool. And also the scene with Loki, where 
you know, where Loki thinks that he's getting to her nerves with Barton and stuff, but mm-hmm. come to find out she's just trying to get information from him about the Hulk. Like, that's awesome. Like, mm. like that's just really cool how she's able to do all that. And they introduce her past in this movie. So I think they really fixed her in this one to make her a compelling character more than she was in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. So I do like that. And last but not least, I love how they changed Hulk. Amen. I would agree absolutely with that. <laughs> <laughs> because Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton, uh, don't forget mm. that happened. And most yeah. people forget that 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 happened i mean That's it's easy to say mark ruffalo beats that performance because it's to me oh, mark ruffalo's performance is hands, great hands down mm-hmm. because if you look at the hulk uh done in live action yeah. you know with bill bixby and with eric bannon in the hulk movie and mm-hmm. edward norton like they were all about like trying to get rid of the hulk and trying to uh, like bill bixby was all about getting rid of the hulk and same mm-hmm. with edward norton to an extent and I forget about Eric Bana. I don't even want to think about that Ang Lee Hulk movie. But they fixed it. Like, Mark Ruffalo, not only is he charismatic as Hulk, like, you believe that he's a scientist, which I never believed Edward Norton was a scientist to begin with. But I actually believe he's a science nerd. I also love how he controls the Hulk. Like, it's just so awesome to see someone could be able to live with him. He's not all about trying to get rid of him. Like that scene when Tony zaps him, you know, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, I can handle a, a little pro and prod, you know, yeah. like he's not he's not so careful about it. like I like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, the introduction scene when he's, you know, with Black Widow and he is yeah. testing Black Widow by getting angry and she pulls a gun on him and he was like, I'm sorry, I, I just wanted to see how you'd react. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just really cool. Like, I, you want to see any Hulk actor try to do that. So mm-hmm. I really like how the movie, you know, got a recasting done well and it worked so much that they have kept him on for the rest of the mcu yeah so 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 let's see three characters i feel like they really changed up in the film and i really like that about yeah it. um i'll mention a couple more and then i can give it uh, to you mm-hmm. um one thing that i really appreciate about this movie kind of you know watching it for this time is how it's a movie that even though it's set in a cinematic universe it's a team-up film it's one that can be watched without watching the others. Like, like I would recommend you watch this film uh, having watched Iron Man through Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't, you're not going to be super lost. Like, I feel like the film does a good job of filling in the blanks of what you need to know for this movie that you don't feel as if you're lost. Mm. You know, I feel like, you know, if, you know, if we get to Affinity War, like that that's one thing that you might feel lost if you hadn't watched the other ones. This one, I feel like you could kind of, you can get by and not have to watch the other ones. I think that that's good to do that cuz you know, it makes it appeal to a wider mass of audiences and it does show how great that they have established the characters so that way you can feel that way. Mm-hmm. So so I do appreciate that about this one. And one other thing that I do enjoy that I think we'll probably get a little bit more in depth of is how this film the team right because mm. we already reviewed justice league yeah and we talked and i talked about how one of mike's ever really thought they did a good job establishing the team mm-hmm. you know they just kind of came together they didn't really do a good job with that like i didn't feel like they were united at the end but this one i feel like they do a good job of making them feel incompatible with one another like you can definitely tell that these guys are not going to be good gang together with one another 
mm-hmm. and the movie sells their their you know kind of distrust of one another and they're fighting then you get them together was after colson's death and yep. they become a team and when you get to that you know end battle sequence you feel that this is a team and you feel earned having watched through the entire film and i think it make that Josh Whedon did that very well and very seamlessly. So I do enjoy watching that throughout the, the course of the film, I thought. I think that really is good. And again, just the groundwork of how you do a team-up film well. Mm-hmm. So so that's a few that I have. Of course, I have many more, but I'm yeah. sure you have a few that you want to get out. So have that. Yeah, um... Now, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give my answer right now. I'm going to ask this question later, but I'll say... Just within this movie by itself, just taking this movie, no other information, just in this movie, my favorite right. hero is the Hulk because I love how they do Mark Ruffalo's character. Oh yeah, he's probably he's not he's not my favorite Avenger by any means, but in just in this movie alone, um, like there's a question I am gonna have about it later that we'll mention that I'll mention, but other than that. I and I do like that they do have some elements from the Incredible Hulk in this movie. It's not like Incredible Hulk is not in the MCU. It is. They do mention yeah. it, but they do not mention. Yeah, they, they mention Harlem. They do not mention certain things. Um, they they mention that you know he's got control, which happened at the end of the Incredible Hulk. You know he got control of the Hulk. Um, mm. You know they mention Harlem, um, and they mention he's a scientist and all that stuff and. Also, you know, he tried to kill himself and everything like that, and that he was in Mexico or something, running away. I don't know. But like, I, yeah, I, like that. I find it, I find it good that they kind of recast and they give it a year or two before they bring Hulk back in, because they bring him in into this movie and we see him in a very busy city. Why is Hulk in a busy city? You know, why is you know this new Bruce Banner in the busy city? Um, you know, why is he pretending to be angry? So there, there's something to him that's a little bit different, and obviously we've kind of mentioned, but Mark Ruffalo just kind of brings in that scientist, which is the part I really like about it. The idea of having two personalities, of not just being, you know, an athletic runaway guy that just wants to, you know, run cross country and mix, also be the Hulk and be on the run all the time, but a guy that is smart in one aspect and is a scientist, but in the other aspect is a monster. Mm-hmm. And I think they really do that well. Um, and and I, I think this is my favorite Hulk. Just, just just my favorite Hulk because he just gets to smash and go crazy. Now, he doesn't say that much, but I think it's my favorite, like, Hulk, like, Bruce thing. Is that, Hulk, like, Bruce can control the Hulk, but he also can't at the same time. Because there's a scene where, you know, stuff happens and the Hulk comes out and he has no control anymore. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. he, he seems to have control, but at the same time, the Hulk is still very... Because I, I have to say, like, one of my... Uh, I love, also, another strength in this is the characters talking to each other. Like, we've had all these yeah. separate movies with these characters without each other. But having, you know... Um, uh, Iron Man and Tony Stark have a scene with Bruce talking about how Hulk saved his life. Very interesting take, and that's that's why I kind of like that dynamic because maybe in that scenario where he turns back into Hulk again, it's Hulk realizing he needs to be Hulk, or else Bruce might lose his life, and he's trying to save his life. Which we do expound on the different versions of Hulk and his personality changes on and later, but in this one, it's pretty much 
Bruce is the brains. His defense mechanism is a monster. And I, I love the famous quote, I'm always angry. That's my secret cap. I'm always angry. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I just I love when he turns and he transforms and Hulk smash and he goes crazy. So um, I that would probably be in this movie alone my favorite Avenger probably is Mark Ruffalo's. And I, th- I think that's a really good high saying that this is Mark Ruffalo's first ever time being the Hulk and that people weren't unsure how to do Hulk. And I think the, the the connection of not having a Hulk movie anymore, but having him in a story and having him have an arc in a story is the best way to go. Because if you look at The Incredible Hulk, all that they were doing was basically copying mm-hmm. what would be the 70s TV. Yep, the TV show. They didn't really know how, exactly. They didn't know how to make him a lead character. But putting him as a side character, I think it really works better as a team, I suppose, or just trying to give him another big bad to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And not saying outside of the fact that you, yeah, and I, I would say like outside not, the fact that Universal can do anything, yeah, and like <laughs> I'm not against having Incredible Hulk movie. Like I would love to have an Incredible Hulk uh, v Wolverine movie at some point. Like that's one of the awesome cartoons and everything like that. You know, uh, he's you know Gamma Radiation Project X, a dream come true. But well, we'll talk one, to Universal. Maybe yeah. maybe if you can get with some of them and tell them to sell the rights, maybe that'll happen. But most likely that would happen now in a, you know, a Wolverine movie with Hulk in it, you know, or a crossover at some point. But, you know, I think it'd still be done. And maybe Hulk is better in team-up movies or in a TV show and not so much a big theatrical two-hour movie where we, we need to see time. And that's what we get to see in the MCU phases of Hulk changing. But that's that's a great high I just wanted to mention. Um, oh, absolutely. So, just a couple quotes I wanted to get out of the way. Um, this I, movie is very quotable. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, uh, I, I thought of one as I'm looking at this one. Um, it's not really a quote, but um, I like what Cap says in this movie. Some of his his quotes is um, are very what it would be like from a man coming out of the 40s into this new world. Um, I had a uh, high is when he has to give uh, Nick Fury the $10 because he oh, lost the I bet. love that moment. Um, it's so subtle. It's just perfect. Yeah. And I like, you know, when they talk about flying monkeys and Cap's like, I understood that reference. Um, yeah. I like when after the death of Coulson and everyone leaves and, uh, Fury's talking about heroes, and he says it's an old-fashioned denotion, and the only one left at the table's Cap because he realizes what he's saying. It's an old-fashioned denotion, um, and what Costa says, people might just need a little old-fashioned, and you know, I I I enjoy Cap and I enjoy the sequels with Cap, but one of the things I always, and I like what they do with Cap. But I, I think there's still some part of Cap, and we do have some of that have Endgame. They do, you know, call back to his old-fashioned days. But if they could keep the character to be the guy that is just old-fashioned. And I know characters change and everything, yeah. but I really like in this movie that it's kind of like what I think of when I think of the Avengers cartoons. Like, Cap is out of the world, doesn't understand, he just knows he's a soldier. You know, when he has the scene in Germany and he's talking about the man standing above the rest, that's Hitler and everybody. Um, 
and that's just just that's a good scene i th- I think there's a lot of good couple like morality things that cap just says that i kind of agree with you know there's only one god ma'am and i bet he doesn't dress he like that the, you know like it's a it's a old-fashioned yeah. stuff but it's stuff that you know it, it's funny but it's also like I relate to this guy because I understand where he's coming from. He's coming from an old-fashioned era that's a lot more simplistic, a lot more easier to understand, unlike Tony Stark or, you know, the big S.H.I.E.L.D. world. So, mm-hmm. that's a quote I really like. I like um, Hulk Smash. I like Avengers. I like Tony's uh, Tony's line where they go back I mean, and how forth. Many, how many- Oh yeah, you could say basically any Tony line in this movie, and yeah. that would be a great quote because almost everything he says is quotable. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. Yeah, I have an army. We have a Hulk. It's fantastic. Oh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I love a puny god scene. Some that's a hilarious oh. scene. Puny oh. god. <laughs> so uh, I remember watching that for the first time with my parents, and just you know him saying, "I am a god, god you dull creature." And then Hulk just takes him and throws him around like a rag doll. Like, I think we were crying laughing after that. Puny they God. said, Puny God. Just like, oh, groaning through roots. Like, I, mean, we, I couldn't hear it the first time because I was laughing hard watching it. But every time I watched it, I love like, his oh, 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 mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh, so, yeah. so, that's a great moment. Um, this, this is small high, but I like seeing uh, the helicarrier. I think it's really cool that designs different surprises camp, and it's something I remember seeing from the cartoons, like this big floating thing in the sky, and the idea that it was originally a ship and it becomes a heli, it can become a, like an aircraft. Um, it's just a cool little neat thing. Um, I'll get into. I think we'll get into this later. Um, I like. Um, the death of Coulson very much. Uh, I do too. Yeah. Um, but um, see, like, I've had some issues with this movie because it is very not issues. I mean, this movie's great as you'll see in my grade. But in I've watched people talk about this. This feels very very fluffy compared to where they went. If you kind of understand what I'm saying, where they went with Infinity War with the snap. This seems very fluffy when you can explode a big bomb and all the robots and all the aliens just die. It seems kind of fluffy. Comparison to Thanos. And I understand why. It's the first ever team-up movie. That's what I would just say. But I would say a high to this is I always I always get hold up on like... Um, this, this movie is fluffy, but I don't give it the respect that it has to bring the team together. And that's why like... I enjoy the death of Coulson very much because we get that the team does not get along. Tony and Iron Man butt head. No, Tony and Iron Man, they are the same person. But Cap and Tony do not. They butt <laughs> oh, yeah, heads. You know, Thor's disliked because of his movie. You know, uh, Black Widow can't be trusted. You know, Incredible Hulk. You know, you can't trust the Hulk. And S.H.I.E.L.D. is untrustworthy. I just like that they're all coming together, but at the same time, they all kind of have biases against each other. Um, and, you know, Loki uses that. I, I never really noticed that, that he uses that. I have a have a little bit of issue, and I guess it's in an honest trailer and funny, like, why would you try to divide the heroes that are going to unite to defeat you in the first place? Why not just kill them or do a different plan? Like, um, I, I don't know, but... Yeah. 
But anyway, yeah, like I'll talk about that in one of my questions. But yeah, yeah but um, but I think that whole thing goes like hook, line, and singer, uh, sinker when it comes to Coulson, because like mm-hmm. he's been in every part of the MCU phase one so far, and then he died. Except Hulk. Well, and, well, yeah, I guess so. But he's like the glue that puts it all together, kind of. Um, and just how Fury uses that to motivate um, Cap to get back in the game. Um, how that motivates Iron Man and, you know, Thor sees him die. So, like, and this is kind of like the thing that gets them to become a team. And we see the, you know, the the great battle shot, which is amazing. With the music and everything like that, like... That moment is not as good if it doesn't come with the death of Coulson and Fury noticing that that's what they need. And that's what, uh, I mean, that's even what Coulson says, that this wasn't going to work. Yeah. Which gives me a couple questions when it comes to, like, newer movies that come out about Nick Fury and plans he had with the team. If they kind of knew this never was going to work, why would you create the team in the first place? But anyway, um... But Coulson, uh, then, I might have a little bit of an issue with that when we get to Age of Ultron, but <laughs> if we get to Age of Ultron, but you know. <laughs> um, but just uh, Coulson is, uh, and he comes back and like, he's my favorite character on the Agents of Shield show. So like, it's only one I care about. So I would say like the only character worth mentioning on that show, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the death of Coulson definitely helped this grade out better than what I would have thought of in the past. Because I have liked this movie, but to me, like, there have been just team-up movies that are not as good that I would like to watch more. Because I think this is very fluffy compared to some other ones. But when I get the... When I rewatched it this week, I got kind of... I can remember the gravitas of how Coulson died and... Um, and how how much that affects them. And I do, at some point, still wish that still had, like, a remembrance for them in the later Avenger movies. But, anyway, that's that's still... I mean, a strength is the death of Coulson and how that's used. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I will say there are a lot of teases in this that are better teased than Avengers 2 teases stuff too much. Oh, Like, yeah. this movie, like... I, I, I do like Avengers 2. But that movie, and a lot of people I've talked about, it said it's not restating. It is restating the same thing. There's a lot of teases to what they were going to do in Phase 3. This movie does have Mm -hmm. teases to what they would eventually do, but they didn't know that's what they were doing. Like, I think they were... It doesn't override the story. Yeah. Like, with the Iron Man and Cap rivalry, with, like, you know, you came from a bottle, you're just a playboy that's reckless. Like, they probably weren't planning to do a civil war movie with them too but they did and that's just a good tease written in there like they they disagree that's just all you're saying they disagree with a couple things you don't really need no more than that it's a tease but it's they just disagree and it's not like a big tease you know like we've seen in other movies and in age of ultron and um the tease of weaponry the the tease of winter soldier just that shield does stuff and um, in the in the dark, no one knows about it, and um, Hydra is still looming, going on like that. That tease is still in there, um, and so like I think this movie has a good strength of having teases for future stuff, 
um, like Thor and Hulk, like they get along and they're goofy, which is what they would tease in the Thor three and bring them in. But they have no plans for that. I, I like the teases that are in here that they would use for future phase three stuff. Mm -hmm. That are better than. I gotta emphasize yeah. enough that when they have when they do that, it's just subtle that they don't make it an emphasis to have more than just a few in there. Because mm -hmm. a lot of movies when they do have connected tissues like that, that that overrides the story. Like I think that was an example of BBS. How mm -hmm. when they had too much ties to the Justice League, like that, you know, controlled more of than just the BBS story. It became more Don Justice than it did BBS. Mm. So with the Avengers, like, that wasn't the main concern. I mean, they did have some that they did, of course, you know, go back and do more with, but that wasn't the main episode of the story, which that that's, tease is done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I... It's like, go on so, so much. Mm -hmm. you, do you have any more? Or... Um, I just have a couple more here. Um, but I... That really haven't been mentioned yet. Um. And, I mean, this is one that we're both going to have. Now, knowing in hindsight, they tease Thanos. You know, yep. that's... that's um, I mean, simple, but in hindsight now, like... Um, Kevin Foggy knows what he's doing, and he knew what he was doing. Um, and it just... It kind of... It's such a good thing. It really hurts other franchises, from, especially DC as one of their main competitors now, since X-Men are gone. But just in other things that, like, they took their time and they eventually got to 23, 22 movies later. Um, so, like, they took their time and here at Avengers 1, in a Phase 1 you get Thanos, and a Phase 2 you get Thanos, then Thanos comes. So, like, they definitely take your time with all these movies that are happening. My only thing about that is that Thanos does not look that good. I mean, he, he kind of looks kind of ugly. You can kind of tell it was a last-minute kind of a... I, I, I yeah. don't want to say it is a last-minute thing, but the technology just wasn't there for him. They definitely fixed him in future Marvel movies, but, mm -hmm. but just to tease him, like, that that made fanboys so excited, you know? Yeah. So much so that they thought that, oh, Thanos is going to be the next villain of Avengers 2. Mm -hmm. Turned out not to be. Yeah. But just to have that, that tease in there is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, but I also do want. Yeah, go ahead. But before you go on, I just want to mention the swarma scene because mm. I, I, I like the swarma scene because that scene was not in the original cut of the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Like that was a last minute addition after the world premiere, and that was based off of a Tony Stark ad lib. Like, hey guys, let's go try swarma. I've never had it before. I want to try it. Yeah. Just having it there as them just sitting there after the battle eating swarma with you know everyone. Uh, cleaning up afterwards like i don't know that's just a fun scene like i mean there's other uh fun little moments like that in the post-credit scenes that kind of are throwaway like an ant-man and the wasp with the ant playing the drums like that's kind of like really uh, you waste a post-credit scene with that mm -hmm. but I, I, don't know, I i enjoyed i enjoyed that like, like it's a subtle kind of cool just to see everyone just kind of eating there and just it, it's fun it's fun just a nice capper to the other uh to the film even though i don't, I don't think it's as better as the Thanos scene but i think it's still pretty good though mm -hmm. and the subtleness of that yeah and uh it's it's like it, it kind of sets the stage for like more epic end credit scenes because i mean it's yeah i didn't know that it was super not well done for me all it really is saying is hey 
something bigger is looming, which is kind of what the idea is. I mean, I didn't even know who Thanos was yeah. when I first saw that. But now I'm just like, okay, something bigger, you know. Because if you look at the other Phase 1 films, they they were all teasing the Avengers. The mm-hmm. Avengers was the end goal of Phase 1. So to have, have Thanos there gives another end goal for Phase 2 and 3. That mm-hmm. eventually he's going to be the big bad guy. Whether it's in Avengers 2 or Avengers 3 or wherever. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's a good establishing more of a roadmap than just like, oh, hey, we're doing the Avengers. But hey, we already did that. So what now? So it gives them a more of a roadmap to go towards, you know. Yeah, you can mention a couple more. That's all I had. All right, cool. Well, I I got a got a I got a few more. Um, I just gotta say I like how this is a template that future Marvel films would follow. Hmm. And and yeah, I know it, it is it is fluffy. I, I do kind of notice that too a little bit now that you mention it. But if you have to think about it, I mean, this film had to be successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this film was not successful, then it would be how the DC universe is kind of right now with Justice League. Mm-hmm. You know, after Justice League was a disappointment and such. Yeah. And so, you know, it really comes to the mindset of Josh Whedon, who was a TV guy, and he was known for having quippy, light dialogue and, you know, good action and stuff with Firefly and Buffy mm-hmm. or other stuff that he did. So I think he, he was the one that really incorporated all that stuff into this. Even though there was first moments in other Marvel films and, you know, good action sequences and other ones, but this one really kind of set the stage that other, not only other Marvel films, but even to an extent some DC films and Spider-Man and what have you, that would follow this template. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool to see to see that, which could be a detriment to you know, it sort of started a cookie-cutter Marvel film kind of trend. Mm-hmm. But it's I think it's done well. Like, it's not like it's done poorly. It's done pretty well, you know? So I do like that it kind of started this trend. So it's kind of cool to see that start that trend. Kind of like how, when I watched the first Superman film, how it's like, oh, wow, so this is how other films got inspired by this. Like, this is kind of like that in a different way. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's, what else do I have here? Um... I do really like all the most of the characters here. You know, they're great. They're great performances and stuff. And and I do love Mark Ruffalo. I think he's the best improved. Like, I think he's the most improved character out of the ones that mm-hmm. you know weren't great and all. My favorite's got to be Iron Man. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love Iron Man in this one. Like, you know, he he's just fantastic in this. You know, not not just great with his you know quippiness to him, like he did in Iron Man and Iron Man Two. But I do like his journey that he goes through to where you know he's he's all about himself you know even though he did have that journey that he went through in iron man instant iron man too a little bit but he's still someone that wouldn't put his life on the line but as cap says you know when they're arguing like you would not put your life on the line when when you know it, it comes down to it but we see towards the end of the film that he does do that by sending the nuke up into space and thinking that he was going to die afterwards so it's just kind of cool to see that journey with iron man but he's, he's not the main character which could have been a problem because i think that was where they were kind of thinking about the avengers at first because mm. iron man was the most successful out of the group so i thought oh well we'll just have the avengers with iron man being the lead and having these guys be cameo players but they didn't do that they, they had everyone do their own thing and so i really like that that you know no one's really 
uh, the leads, like all of them are leads in their own way, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about more in a couple minutes. But Iron Man is, even though he's my favorites, you know, it's still done, still done pretty well. But I do, I do really like Iron Man in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably my favorite. Walking out of it, that was already good. Even though Hulk is my best, that's brute. Yeah. Um, I love. You already mentioned this, but I, I just gotta emphasize enough that i love seeing these characters meet together i love seeing them interact with each other like you mentioned hulk and iron man together like that's fun hulk and thor together is is awesome uh, cap and iron man like just seeing these guys together that haven't met each other mm-hmm. like we kind of take it for granted from other team-up films you know like especially infinity war with just so many characters in there mm-hmm. have a film that only has four characters like well that's kind of kind of lame a little bit you know because we're, we're so used to team up movies and stuff but this mm-hmm. was groundbreaking seeing these different characters together mm-hmm. but it's just cool because that kind of leads into another thing that i love is like when we see these guys fight together mm-hmm. like iron man thor and cap fighting together like you know thor uh, takes loki and tries to you know get him to come home but iron man tries to stop him and of course you have great you know dialogue but oh what do you think this is and iron man's like shakespeare in the park mm-hmm. does mother know you wear through drapes? drapes i love that i love that little <laughs> and of course later on when he says that's a nice swing point break <laughs> uh, which was another callback for ragnarok yeah but i seeing that fight's great and of course thor and hulk fighting is just amazing and mm-hmm. you know hulk trying to lift the hammer when he can't mm-hmm. and you know, Thor, you know, being like, oh, wow, I kind of bleed with this guy after a punch mm-hmm. from Hulk. Like, like the fighting is just fun. You know, it, it's not serious like in Civil War, but it's it's good, fun action that you kind of want to see your heroes fight. I mean, that's why BBS was so, but they wanted that so much. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like that. I think all that is uh, is pretty cool. Um, so so I, I got to give major props for that to make that work. Yeah. Um, I also I also love how each character has their own arc in this film and how they're well balanced. Because mm-hmm. when you have a movie with so many characters as it as this film does, who could have the thing of not having everyone get their moments. Mm-hmm. Other Avengers films, I think has an issue with this either on a grand scale or not as big of a grand scale but this film i think got all of their characters with good stories and pretty balanced like you get a good amount of screen time with just about everybody which is great and you have great character uh, arcs with like i mentioned with iron man about being able to sacrifice yourself mm. uh and cap with growing to be a leader and also kind of seeding his distrust with the government a little bit like yeah. with shield he figures out the phase two weapons so you kind of see the seeds there too which i like uh thor was learning about his brother and, mm-hmm. th- and learning about oh my brother's not such a great guy after all yeah. sort of coming to battleization and of course hulk where he's starting to come to realize that he can use hulk that he doesn't have to control him per se but he can let him out you know which i think we kind of touched on a little bit already and of course, Black Widow with like her past and and stuff. So like a lot of these characters get a lot of good story arcs that I really like. That they took the time to give a meaningful story for each one. That they're not just there just because they're famous, but they're there because they have an integral role 
uh, integral story to the plot. So I, I do like that, and that just shows great story writing and stuff. So I, I do like that. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to give shout out, like you, you talked about in great detail about Coulson's death. I love Coulson's death in this movie. It's it's what really needed to happen because, like you mentioned, we have Coulson, who's this guy that we never really got to explore that much in the MCU. I mean, like when Iron Man, you know, sees Coulson for the first time in this film, and Pepper calls him Phil, he's like, "That's not. He doesn't have a first name. Phil. His first mm-hmm. name's Agents." Agent. Like when he talk when he talks about like his girlfriend who's a violinist, like yeah. he, they didn't know that and stuff. Like you get to learn more about Coulson more so than you did in all the other previous MCU films. Mm-hmm. So that when you start to actually get to like him. They kill him off. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, oh, I, I just got to start to like you, and now you're dead? Mm-hmm. No, I want you back. And, of course, a year later, they'll be like, oh, he's going to be starting up a new TV show. They're like, eh, I don't kind of want him anymore now. <laughs> but just, just, just kidding. He, he's, he's not too bad in the show. But anyway, uh, but it's just a good moment because, like you mentioned, that's really the only time where you really see a serious stake, you know? Oh, well, someone died. Like, wow, this is kind of serious. It isn't all just fun and games, in a sense. And that does bring the team together, and it's just a great moment. One of the best moments. I really wish they had done more with it in future Avengers films and Marvel films, Mm -hmm. because this is the only time it's really mentioned again until Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but but you don't really get to see that much in other Marvel films. But for this film, I th- think it works well. A lot more than another death if we get to Age of Ultron. But, but his death was important, and I cannot emphasize that it's one of the highlights of this film. Uh, there's there's great funny moments in the movie that I love. I mean, my favorite is the Hulk ragdoll moments. Mm-hmm. But like I said, just about every line from Tony Stark's mouth is amazing. Uh, you know, great moments like when Thor's trying to capture Loki and it's, it's Loki's protection that captures Thor. And he's like, are you ever not going to fall for that? It <laughs> just, you know, like you mentioned about the flying monkeys reference mm-hmm. and just it's a lot of great funny moments in the Avengers, which, which again, you know, it makes it work. You can, you can argue that, yeah, it's, it makes it fluffy. It makes it not that, uh, imp- you know, that serious and stuff, but, Marvel movies aren't really known for being really serious to begin with. It's not DC where most of the movies are dark. So, I mean, it's good to have humor and stuff, especially if you want to have a, a family audience, which this movie definitely attracted, you know? Mm-hmm. But but it's definitely good. I do a lot of the humorous moments in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more. Uh, I got to give a special shout out to the, the teach. In the third act, mm. I mean the the wide the wide camera angle shot where you see all the teams in a circle ready to fight and stuff like that's such an iconic moment. Like that's that really is the moment where I was sold on the team. Where I was like, okay, here we are. We have everybody. The team is set. It's ready. I I'm all in. I believe in this team now. Like it ju- it just felt earned. And of course, with the the score going on and. Hulk roaring, like, oh, it's just, I love that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. It's iconic. I mean, it's, that's why it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And one last thing, I, I just really like how the, the ending, the ending makes, makes me feel excited for the sequel. Mm. Like, I remember when I first watched this film, watching the end about how everyone goes their own separate ways and, 
Nick Fury's talking with Maria Hill about, oh, well, when we need them, we'll we'll get them, you know? And it's just like, oh, I want this movie now. I can't wait three years. This movie needs to happen tomorrow. <laughs> like, to make me excited for a sequel like Force Awakens did, you, it did something right. You mm-hmm. did something right. And that just shows how good and invested Avengers made me feel. Even though I know that Age of Ultron isn't as good as the first Avengers, it still made me excited to want to see Age of Ultron anyway. Mm-hmm. So so that just shows a good good way to end the film and stuff. So that was all the positives I had. Okay. We can uh, move on to weaknesses. All right. Weaknesses. I have, I have a... three. How many do I you have? Five. How many? Five. 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 Okay. Well, you can get started. All right. Uh, I guess I'll I'll start. Saying um, that my three are most likely one of your five, so they're pretty common be. three weaknesses I find. So. Yeah, it could be. We'll see. We'll find out. I'm curious if you have my first one, which okay. which is the only the only character I really don't care for in the Avengers. Like most of the characters are great. The only one I really don't care for is Maria Hill. Oh, okay. Maria Hill. Uh, really? Yeah. Kobe Smulders. I mean, I get why she's there. I get that you need another female character. I get that you want someone who's like Fury's right-hand person and something like that. eye candy. Like, that's yeah. clearly why she's in there. She's a model. So, like. That's, I was like, never yeah. thought of like, yeah, she's not really needed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and you forget about her. Yeah, like, like when she shows up in Infinity War, I'm like, oh, you're still in the MCU. <laughs> I forgot all about you. Yeah, I know. So, so she she really left no impression on me in the Avengers. I watch her, and she does nothing. She's just there, just to be there mm-hmm. because Black Widow isn't enough to be mm-hmm. a female lead in the movie. So we need another one. Yeah. So I, I never really got to like her, and this movie just shows me that. Oh yeah, I don't really care for this character. So <laughs> yeah, she's probably she's my least favorite character in the entire film, and I just wish that they either did her better or just did not have her at all. So that's that's one negative. I would agree. Right, cool. I would agree awesome. so much I didn't even put her down. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you got four. There you go. Uh, I, I bet you probably have this one. Uh, I'll mention this one, then I'll uh, give it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, cap suit. I'm sorry. Mm. I don't like it. Mm. I, I don't like it. I mean, it's the only suit that I don't really care for. I mean, his suits get better in the MCU, but this one, I understand why they went for it. To make him patriotic, to make it, you know, remember back to the 40s of yeah. when Cap was great. But the suit, the design, like, uh, I, I just don't like it. It's just a little too tight and mm-hmm. a little too bright and colorful for me. Mm. That's the moment where I really can tell that's kind of fluffy. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're really fluffy with this suit. But, yeah, like, if it just was designed better, I probably would like it more, but it kind of stinks, and it's kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to me every time I watch The Avengers. Like, you know it's bad when Tony Stark in Endgame makes a joke about his suit. It's like, okay, Marvel, now, now you, you understand <laughs> understand about this. So so, so that I that's another negative, but I'm sure you, you got a few you want to mention, so we'll see if you have any more that I have. But. Um... I'll mention my weakest, the one that I don't really, it's not really that much of a bother, but it's it's a bother 
Because out of the original team, there's a character that's not fledged out, and that's the character of Hawkeye. Um, yep, I, I have to. <laughs> like, he, literally in Thor. Like, I just, because I, uh, I was watching the um, universe expanded earlier on Disney Plus to prep for this. Mm. They mention that it is just a, um, it is a known, it is no one. In that first Thor shot where you see a guy grab a bow and arrow and he runs out and goes up the thing in Thor 1. That was supposed to just be a tease and not even supposed to give you an actor. Until yes. John, uh, until that director of Thor was told, "Hey, actually, put Jeremy Renner in and have a scene, so you actually see a guy's face." But but I mean, why even have him there? He's it's so pointless. That's why I say, why have him there? Like why? Like this is a guy that looks buff. He looks like he could take an arrow. That's all I'm saying. He just beat a bunch of guys down with guns. Why would an arrow stop him? That's just my thought on Thor. But what I'm saying is, like they didn't even. Like, Black Widow did have a little bit more of a presence in Iron Man 2, unlike he did in Thor. In this movie, Jeremy Renner is okay, I guess. He's probably my weakest out of all of them, but he's okay. Yes, of the main six, I agree with you. The issue is, like, what is he doing? Like, why is he up in the Hulk? Why is the Hulk in his nest? Why is he even an avenger he just has a bow and arrow like what makes him important black widow's a spy i know i guess he is a shield agent but i, I and also when he becomes like you know when he gets taken over and he's a villain um and then when he becomes a hero again uh when he gets knocked on the head it's kind of like well give him 10 minutes drink of water he got over it mm-hmm. and he's gonna shoot some aliens and you know he has a he has a cool scene you know with loki and everything like he shoots air holes pretty effectively and he does his job pretty well you know clench up legolas like i like that quote but like mm-hmm. and i mean you know, he's a part of the team and if you're talking about costumes that aren't very influential his looks nothing nothing like Hawkeyes, and I know that's hard to put on a movie, but can we have some purple in that coat? Like, some purple. Just some color. It's just a black suit. I was going to say, have you seen the purple hats suit of Hawkeye? I'm glad they don't have that. I, I just I, I just think he's kind of the weakest, not drawn out as much, and you don't really care. You don't really connect with him as much. Like... Like, we know why Black Widow has some stakes, and she doesn't want to die. She's a secret agent. She's a part of the team. Why is he a part of the team? Was he originally a part of the team? Or did he just come for the ride because Cap needed someone to drive the plane? Like, I, I, I'm, real, I'm still confused on that, because it's not like Fury told us he was a part of the team. We just know he's an agent. And then Cap was like, do you know how to drive? And he's like, I do. Then Black Widow shakes her head, like, in approval to take him. And I, get, I mean, he's a part of the team, so he's in the circle. But we just, there's just not enough there. <laughs> well, I think the big thing with Hawkeye, because I, I have that as one of my weaknesses too, is because there isn't a whole lot of time given to him. Because mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the film, he's mind controlled, mm-hmm. and he's there for most of the film until the third act when he bumps his head. Oh yeah, I remember. I'm a good guy now. <laughs> and then he, he fights with everyone, like. They tried to give him a little something with him and Black Widow's conversation, but mm-hmm. it doesn't go anywhere. Like, there's a reason why I didn't mention in my arcs him because he really has no arc. He's just, oh, I was a good guy, but now I became bad. I'm a good guy again. Mm-hmm. 
So, so maybe if they had him in throughout the movie with everyone else, maybe we could have seen him as an Avenger. But since he's only there when he's a bad guy, but then when he becomes a good guy, he feels pointless. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're just you're just along for the ride, pal, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're trying to be Oliver Queen, but you're not. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I agree that that was uh, one of my weaknesses as well. Um, a, a weakness just of the movie and just watching it and if i'm in this world and i'm a politician above nick fury one of his leaders i would never nuke a citizen population of the island of manhattan that seems like the most stupidest thing ever you have eight million people the state of ohio lives in that little island why would you bomb it (laughs) especially because Okay, the fighting may have only happened for a couple hours, and I'm being generous by saying like two to three hours. Mm -hmm. Their first reaction is like, let's nuke the city. Why not give more people to come from S.H.I.E.L.D. or the government or something instead of just like, yeah, we're going to nuke this New York. Two billion people in the city? Yeah, that's fine. That's just collateral damage. Wow. Like, that's so dumb. (laughs) Come on. You're, You're politicians. You could do better than that. Joe Biden can do better than that, and he barely knows where he is half the time. <laughs> so, so, sorry, Democrats, if I upset you. So oh, well. <laughs> hey, come on. Um, um, I just think that's utterly stupid, and no government would ever do that. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, there's no way. I mean, it's there to cause tension, and it's a good ticking clock for Iron Man and everything, but just, like, the reality yeah. of that is... There are citizens still... It's like 9-11 happens, but instead of a bombing, it's aliens, and Bush is just like, okay, we're going to nuke New York. What? It's like our first decision is going to nuke New York? What are you doing? Yeah, what are you thinking? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't... I mean, it's, it's a weakness because I'm just like... Like... They just, uh, I don't know, I, I just, the logic I'm, doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I get, like you said, what they did it was to give Iron Man his time to sacrifice. But you <laughs> could have done a million other things to have had that same example. Like, I don't know, like, of all things you could do, that's Newcomb. Uh, it's like it's a movie from the 80s. Well, oh, man. <laughs> then that leads right into probably my greatest weakness of this movie. Other than, I mean, I do have a secondary weakness. I'll just mention this first. It is Loki, but a little. It is Loki a little bit. It is not even that much of a weakness. I I agree with what you said about, like, if you weren't into the universe, you can watch this movie, which that's what I like about it. It's very rewatchable. But if you don't know why Loki is where he is and how he got the army and... Thor says he died, but he didn't die. Like, if you never watched Thor, you would be kind of lost with where Loki is as, like, a bad guy. I feel like even if you watch Thor, you're still kind of lost, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he falls at the end of Thor, and then in the post credit scene, he's there with Selvig, which, that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. 
And then you have him up there with Thanos and stuff, like, leading the army. That still leaves you questions, like, did Thanos resurrect him? Did he just fall till he got to where Thanos is? Like, mm-hmm. that, like I don't think they really address that that much. Even when you get to Infinity War, I don't bring in other Marvel films into it, but you're, when he says, no resurrections this time, I'm like, did he resurrect Loki? Or <laughs> is was Loki reborn? Like, I, I'm mm-hmm. curious, I watched movie. But yeah, the the nuke leads right into my biggest weakness, which is did Josh Whedon like is this favorite movie episode one? Because he took the idea of destroying a collision of space and stopping <laughs> droids and he, make that collision. He went with it. Because he went full episode one right there, and I I mean in hindsight like with even with Justice League, Justice League didn't do that. I mean, they had to get rid of Steppenwolf before the things could leave, and get rid of the mother boxes. Any other movie has done better than that. Like, what's the idea with you explode something and all these aliens? You saying these aliens are somehow robotically connected to the mothership? How are aliens connected to a mothership? It makes no sense. It's like. It at least made sense with Phantom Menace because they were droids. Yep. So it makes sense that they would fall down. But are these aliens robotic or are they flesh and blood? Because I thought they were flesh and blood because when you stab them, you see blood come out from them and stuff. Mm. Like It raises more questions than it does answer. Well, I'm just like, in Endgame, why not be their one goal is to destroy the mothership? It, yeah. it just causes more questions for the future, just because of this kind of loophole that's kind of stupid. Um, so, and I was like, "Yeah, he must have really liked episode one." When I, I said that verbally out loud, and I don't think you want me <laughs> to say that when I'm watching Avengers. <laughs> it's it's like he took the pause, like and thinking of pauses for a Phantom Menace. It wasn't Obi Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. It wasn't the lightsaber fight. He was like, "Hmm." That battleship, mothership blowing up. I could use that. I could rip that off. <laughs> I hope I do a movie where I could do that. <laughs> but but yeah, I I have that as one of my weaknesses as well. But yeah. but not just not just that. I'll go a little bit further to say that the third act action sequence as a whole is kind of meh. Mm. Like it's it's fine. I mean it, it's fun. You know, there's some good quality dialogue. And, stuff but there's nothing there outside of the uh hulk ragdoll moment and mm-hmm. uh i think that's the only memorable moment of that fight oh, and the uh the, the spinning around uh action shot with the team like that's memorable mm-hmm. but everything else it's just a random third act action sequence from the mcu and it's just nothing really memorable they're just fighting aliens mm-hmm. and the end of that is so dumb like how like you mentioned, how? How is that even possible? But mm-hmm. I guess they need it somehow to stop everyone. So, yeah, that, that one is kind of dumb. But one more uh, negative I do have for that, and it does evolve the third act too, is out of everyone in that third act, Cap doesn't really do much. Like, you have Iron Man shooting everyone. You've got Thor doing lightning. you got Hulk doing stuff. Cap's just on the ground, uh, you know, beating aliens and stuff mm-hmm. 
but I, even though I do like that moment where he's with the police officers and, you know, he gives them instructions. They're like, well, why should we follow you? Yep. And then he beats them. And then they're like, oh, we got to have uh, barriers on all yep. this. And we got to get blah, stuff like that. That's a good moment. Like that demonstrates his cabinet leadership. But let's kind of forget about him after the team's assembled and he gives them instructions. He's just kind of there so like as far as like action goes like cap is kind of my least favorite as far as the action sequences go he's just kind of there with the shield and gives black widow a boost and that's really all he does so he's kind of forgettable in a cast where i was hoping that everyone would have a good action moment i know kind of nitpicky but yeah i guess a short is that all your weaknesses yeah, pretty much. Okay, I'm getting to you mentioned, you mentioned Hawkeye because yep. I, I had that too. But there we go. Do you have any uh, questions? I have a couple. You can go ahead and shoot uh, some off. I, I do as well. Uh, yeah, we're great one, which is good because uh, I had that. Um, <laughs> I guess just kind of thinking about the there. This is Thanos that is in this film, and you know he he's the head over Loki, sending down the army and stuff. Like, my question is, like, the first thing I thought of, like, when he gives Loki the staff, uh, you know, that mines people and stuff, like, like we know that that's an Affinity Stone. Yep. I'm just wondering, why would he give him an Affinity Stone when his goal is to gather the Infinity Stones? Like, I, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, you would want to keep that, keep that thing, you know? Instead of just like, oh, I'll give it to someone and maybe he'll give me another one. Like, I don't know. It just it just doesn't make sense. It kind of raises questions, especially going further into the MCU for me. Yeah, further in the MCU, you realize that he needs them. My thing is what you're just saying is that, is that well, even if he didn't know that was a mind gem, we know that Thanos, before he even handed it, he wants to conquer worlds because that's what he did with Gamora's planet. He conquers yeah. worlds and he also is looking for... He's gathering sons and daughters to help him fight, and he's gathering Infinity Stones. But the thing is, Loki doesn't take the staff back. I mean, the staff's in Avengers 2, so, like, Thanos completely yeah. loses it. If he knew that was a mind gem. So that's just kind of a stupid little thing. If he did know, he gave it to an irresponsible guy. Yeah, like, why would he give it to him in the first place if, you know, he's trying to capture them? Mm-hmm. But then that raises an even bigger question that I do have is like, you know, if, if he wants to conquer Earth, because I think that's his thing, because he's sending Loki to conquer the Earth for him. Mm -hmm. And if he does that, you know, gives him the test track and stuff, he'll let him rule Earth. Mm -hmm. But if his, if his goal is to conquer Earth, why doesn't he just do it himself? Because, like, he has an Affinity Stone already with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Mind Stone, but, I mean, he still use good stuff with that. Like, but why don't he just take his armies and conquer Earth himself? Why does he send Loki to do it when I'm guessing he barely knows who he is and stuff? Like, I don't know, that's just kind of a thought I had. Like, Does he not, I mean, do we, we know when the second Avengers of, en Avenger en Avengers Ultron they have an end credit where he gets the glove. Do we know when exactly he gets the glove, or does he always have the glove? I have absolutely no idea. My best guess is that it's right before Infinity War starts. I'm guessing, because we don't really know. Because mm -hmm. Infinity War kind of makes it seem like that... Uh, I, I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I, I really I really don't know. It's kind of confusing tracking Thanos's 
story in the MCU. Well, that's so just that's what happens, of... of course, when you have 22 movies. But still great franchise, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's just a few questions I had, like, because adding Thanos into this, like, raises more questions than I would if it was just, if he wasn't in the film, you know? Yeah. But... I guess I'll ask more questions than you can ask a couple, because yeah. I do have a couple more after this. Okay. Um, I just thought this was kind of interesting, and I was curious about your take on it, because we know where these characters end up, you know, throughout the MCU, but do you think that this movie implies Black Widow and Hawkeye could be lovers, or do you get more of a close friends vibe? Because when I was watching, because I, I know where where they resolve it, you know, as the end stuff, and obviously you know and stuff. But yeah. when I got when I was watching it for the first time, like when Coulson's on the phone with Black Widow in her first scene, and he says that a Hawkeye is in danger. Yeah. She immediately goes into a- action and beats those guys up and goes to you know recruit Hulk and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get tender moments, you know, with them together. Like mm-hmm. like again, we know where that ends up, but. Do you think that that was just close friends, or do you think that could be applied that they either were lovers or that they were kind of going in that direction, maybe as them potentially being lovers? I think, I mean, they obviously changed direction when it came to A2, you know, Avengers yeah, 2. For, for sure. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of take both. I mean, let me say this like, with all the MCU in hindsight, into my brain up to this point. I take it like you're supposed to. They're just really good friends. But if you're watching phase one without any of the other phases attached onto it, um, I, I would say it definitely feels like she... Um, it, it's kind of like the idea of like someone is a piece of you. Like, without them, you wouldn't be where you are today. You're your your friends, your good buddies, your you know your best friends, but you're a little bit more than that. And let's say this is opposite sex, um, mm-hmm. but like you're a little bit more than that to each other because, like, you either helped counsel this opposite sex or you did something to help them um, get out of a dark place they were in. So that's kind of what it kind of feels to me. Like, um, obviously, Black Widow was supposed to come out. We were supposed to get some answers of what happened at Budapest and stuff like that, and we will. But like. Her and if like, Black Widow ever comes out. Yeah, and when Loki mentions that her, you know, her redger is red with blood, I really get the sense that she was supposed to be. I mean, she was dark and she was a, a agent of chaos and someone that was, you know, in the shadows. And Hawkeye, which was mentioned, is sent to kill her, and he chooses not to. And she kind of redeems herself, and he, they're like agents that work together. Um, I just think she cares for them, and, like, when she hears that he's been taken over or he's been compromised, like, she's been compromised, she gets into action just right away because that's a really good friend that helped her out of being compromised, and she needs to help him. So I kind of take it the friend way, but I do get a little bit of, like, the idea of, like, hey, these guys, they've been through a lot together. If it is romantic, it might be romantic, but they've been through a lot. So that's kind of where I stand with even the MCU in it in entirely because, you know, if you take it all entirely, it's kind of like they are really good friends to Hawkeye's children, Black Widow's like auntie. She's his aunt. Oh, you know, yeah. She's their aunt. So it's like a good sister. Um, so like, 
I kind of take it that way, even knowing that they didn't know what they were going to do up until this point. But that's how I take it. Like, it's like a, a friend that's of the opposite sex that you have a really good close connection because you both have been through, like, the same thing together. And you're better for it on the other side. And you would easily go and help the other person if they were in trouble. Like, she would help you know, Hawkeye, when Hawkeye got in trouble. It's kind of like one of those. That's where I get it. That's where it feels to me. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I used to say that too. Like, you, you can take it both ways if you want to. I mean, there, there's definitely evidence for both. But considering where we're kind of went, you know, like, you, you can definitely get the vibe that they're friends more so than their lovers. Even though I do think the first scene kind of is more of a, Oh, I really, I really, really care for this person more than just kind of like a friendly kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I think you can get both, even though we know where obviously they went with the direction with the MCU. So we can obviously take it that way. But I, I was just curious of your thoughts on that. That's kind of a question that I thought because, because obviously, you know, they went a different direction with that and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but what are some questions you got? I'm sure you have a, a few that. Um, I just have three i think ish um and they're kind of in the story if we take the entire mcu into account um this one here they kind of answer but it kind of a question arises again and that is does banner have control of the hulk because he says he does but there are two times in this movie where he does not have control on the hulk and that's where you know you first see the hulk come because if you have control wouldn't you just be like it's okay, it's okay, and you would stay the Hulk, or in in, a, in another time is like, if he, and he does have control at the end, where he, you know, says, I'm always angry, even though, like, that, that's just a small question, because I, I can also understand what Iron Man said when he was like, maybe Hulk is protecting you, and that's why you lose control, is that he's trying to save your life, he cares for you. But if I don't take that into account, and when Bruce says he has it under control, then doesn't, and then does again in the end of the movie, I'm like, what happened right there at the middle when Black Widow and he loses control? I mean, that's a great scene and everything. It's very scary. But if he's supposed to have control, why does he lose control? And I don't think that's really answered. Well, that's all I'm saying. Well, well, I would take it as there was a traumatic event that happened. I mean, an explosion happened, and he was thrown across from that room to another room. Yeah. And he was, I assume he was probably disoriented and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. going on. Because, I mean, this isn't something he experiences every day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that just kind of got him to a point where, you know, he, he just couldn't control it. Like, he didn't have time to control it. Just yeah. kind of came out and stuff. Like, because you could tell, like, he kind of, he tried to control it you know because mm -hmm. he, he didn't turn to the hulk right away like he was trying to but then it, it just kind of overpowered him yeah Cause, you know you do have people where like you know when it comes to controlling like their alcoholism for example that mm -hmm. they kind of fall off the wagon every now and then mm -hmm. and i take it as kind of an example where he did under extreme circumstance but like out of any other circumstance you know he could you know turn the hulk on and off when he wanted to okay which is, which is kind of similar to Age of Ultron, where, mm -hmm. I mean, I know we're talking about Age of Ultron, but he had control of the Hulk every other time, except for when, you know, Black Widow pushed him and he was under extreme stress, which is what caused him to turn to the Hulk. And, you know, when 
you know, Scarlet Witch mind controlled him, you know, he just couldn't control himself there. So I take it under extreme circumstance, like he may not necessarily have control all the time, but like for everything else, like he doesn't have a temper that, you know, can go off on any circumstance, but he has control majority of the time. That's how I take it as, you know, but, but I I can see where you're coming from too. But like, it's just a small nitpick because at the same time, it could just be like banners in a life threatening situation, just like in Avengers two. Anytime you see Hulk, it's a life threatening and Hulk steps up to the plate and he delivers. So that in the, that's that scene with black widow could be a scene where Bruce is trying to stop the Hulk from coming out. But maybe Bruce is, you know, maybe he's dying. We don't know. But the Hulk does come out because he's trying to save Banner's life. And yeah, so I, it can be seriously injured from him. So then at the end, yeah. when he falls and he's like, I was green and naked and everything, he comes back to playing and he fights in the end battle. He does have control because he realizes that the Hulk saved his life. Because if you fall from that distance and you hit a building, you're gone. You're gone. Because he's the Hulk, he can fall from distances and survive. So I think there's a little bit of that in there, but still what you're saying. Well, I think what would have helped too is if they hadn't had a cutscene. Because you Mm. know where he falls into that building and there's that old guy. Yeah. You know, you have that funny interaction with them. But Mm -hmm. there was also a deleted scene where they talk. Mm. I forget exactly what they talk about. But I think they talk about where Banner lost control of the Hulk in that situation. So I think that would have helped to have kind of issued that question more. But I think they cut it because it kind of slowed the pace down a little bit from where they wanted to go and stuff. So I think I think I would recommend you watch that deleted scene because I think that might answer your question a little bit more than us guessing about it and stuff. But. All I'm saying, if it's not in the theatrical or if it's not in the Disney Plus release straight away, it's not my fault. Just saying. Hey, hey, that's my issue with the Star Wars prequel trilogy. I don't, you know, you can have as many Clone Wars seasons as you want, but it needs to be in the theatrical film. So I, I hear you. Um, another question is: I even said this earlier. Loki's plan was to, def- like, obviously use the Hulk and everything. But why would he try to? Because here's the thing: because of his entrance into this universe, he comes in. He's a bad guy. From that start, they, they do the Avengers initiative. And then the team comes and they, they get him. And so he's in Germany. They find him. He comes and he has the plan. And then he that plan is to d- try to use the Mind Stone to get Loki out. My thing is, why not... You know, I, I know he had a great idea. was He had to get the eyeball, you know, because uh, Hawkeye needed it. But why not stay in secret, go to the top of Stark Tower, and just do the plan without ever being recognized like he does? Because end up his plan ends up backfiring because he did stand out in Germany. And they took him in, you know, he divided the team, but then Coulson dies, they're united, and they fight. If you just stayed hidden and did that job secretly, then you could have brought the brought the aliens in a more secret fashion and the team might not be united. So I'm just thinking of like, yeah, like when, when, um, when Iron Man's talking to him, you know, and Iron Man's, you know, undressing and his Iron Man outfit. And he's like, not a smart plan to just try to divide us because if we're not going to protect the earth, we'll avenge it. So like, I'm like, yeah, it's really a stupid plan because he's going to, these, these are the only heroes and he's going to piss them off. He's going to piss them off so much that they're eventually going to team up at the end battle 
and defeat him. Why not just do it secretly and not have them at all be united at all? So, like, yeah. I mean, it's a funny scene when Iron Man's talking to him, you know, I have an army, we have a Hulk, like, because they have a team together. But I'm just like, your plan kind of would have worked if you stayed in secret. And and also with Loki, like we mentioned, it's kind of, like, confusing, like, why does Loki want revenge on Earth? Like, what did Earth ever do to Loki other than it's Thor's planet that he loves? And what Infinity Stone is down here that Thanos wants to get right now other than the cube? Um, which, does Thanos even know the cube is Infinity Stone? We don't know that, but we presume because we know it is now. So just Loki's planes. It's not as bad as Steppenwolf, but it's not as good as Thanos. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, there's a reason why Loki is not the best MCU villain. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best, considering all the the other ones but that's why he's not the best because that kind of relates to a question i kind of had which was like why why was loki captured in the first place like why did he allow himself to be captured because like if his goal to be captured was just to you know get the team apart like why does he have to be captured to do that like mm-hmm. they, they already were kind of already like that incident in germany could have you know spiked it already so he didn't have to be captured so that's why i was wondering like if he had another goal to like you know, be there on that ship. Like maybe he needed to get information that were, was vital to his plan and stuff. But uh, that's why I was trying to watch the movie, trying to figure that out. But then it kind of realized, oh yeah, he really doesn't have any other goal to be there instead of just to set the team apart. Yeah. Which through that is just kind of lame. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Like it's, you know, it's, a, it's a good idea to like, you know, divide them up from the, Mm-hmm. inside but it's just the way he kind of went about it was just kind of bad you know because like you said they just kind of went out to be angry at him instead of just angry at themselves mm-hmm. so uh, uh, it just was kind of a, a weird way to do it through game capture that that was my thing here's my other weakness but, which is in you know after endgame and after captain marvel especially i have a weakness here in hindsight of watching all these movies if you do my thing is with shield why would you still invest time in the stinking Tesseract? It has not worked out in any time. In the 40s, it didn't work out for Hydra. In the 90s, it was used to create Captain Marvel, which which was technically done in secret with the whole project that Pegasus and everything. But still, it almost brought it brought aliens to the world in the 90s, which of course didn't happen yet in Phase 1. But it, it did happen chronologically. And then Fury has it, it's in a cat, and then the cat spits it out. So somehow that gets taken, and then that gets used in uh, Thor 2's, you know, sequence. And Nick Fury is again trying to use it to um, do unlimited energy. And then the Tesseract does come out around for Infinity War, but... I'm just kind of confused why S.H.I.E.L.D. would still use this thing. Obviously, they do it in secret, but it didn't work out for HYDRA. It it almost caused severe consequences in the 1990s. And then you try it again, and it causes bad guys. Please do not use it again. For all three times, (laughs) end of the world was going to happen. So That's just issue of having a main cinematic universe like this because it raises more questions in movies than 
you already need them, especially when you have prequels like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, like my thing thinking about it at first, because I forgot Captain Marvel had the Tesseract in there, which mm-hmm. yeah, raises questions like that. But, like, my thing when you mentioned that was, like, why did they wait so long to do weapons now? Now, why didn't they do weapons like when they first got the Tesseract back? Like, why mm-hmm. did they wait 13 years or whatever? And then they're like, oh, yeah, let's just build weapons out of this Tesseract that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, I would think you would want to use it like when you first get it back or something. But, yeah, but that also raises that question, too. Like, why even use it in the first place? Like, why not just Indiana Jones and just lock it in a warehouse somewhere and never use it again? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's kind of dumb, but again, Shield was already bad from the inside with Hydra and stuff, so it's gonna go down no matter how you look at it. Yeah. But 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 speaking of Shield, that I mean, brought me another uh, a question that I thought of when I was watching this. I mean, we see that Iron Man just you know implants a device that steals secrets from the computers on the Hydra helicarrier. And he uses that to figure out their secrets and stuff. Yeah. What is Shield? Is there a top government agency with a lot of analysts working on stuff twenty four seven? Wouldn't they know that Iron Man is getting secrets from them? Like, wouldn't they already plant like figure out that that's happening because they're a secret spy agency and they should know? But they do when people are hacking into them. Don't. Well, in the movie, they find out that a virus was trying to get in their system. Is that supposed to be Loki and Hawkeye shooting the arrows into the system and it, the virus shut everything well, down? Or is that well, Tony's well, virus? But that, that was, well, that was before then. That was before the... Wasn't it Wasn't it before that... Before uh, Loki came in with Hawkeye and shot the arrow into the system? Like, wasn't that when they figured it out, like... My thing was like when they 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 figure out that Iron Man was was trying to get secrets from them. Like I don't know that that was my question. Like if you're a top spy agency, wouldn't you kind of have defenses already up, or are you just so bad that anyone can crack your codes or whatever? Well, obviously, you didn't find enough to know that there were Hydra members literally still in that helicarrier sit well you know like he didn't find it enough i guess or they were hiding pretty well i mean and it has to be that they were hiding pretty well because i mean how does no one find out that the winter winter soldiers bucky barnes until what 2014 or whenever winter soldier comes out so like like it has to be hidden pretty well and i mean it is a loophole i guess yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't think about that. That does raise another question. Like, why didn't Iron Man figure out Hydra? I, mm-hmm. I should have wrote that down, but now I can't get that out of my head now. <laughs> but I'll just focus on my last question instead of trying to throw all boots. Um, I feel like they do a really good job of getting everyone that is on the team there, like, mm-hmm. why, why they're necessary to the team. Mm-hmm. The one that I feel like they don't really do a good job with is Hulk. Like, I know they give a line of saying, oh, the Tesseract is giving off gamma radiation, which, oh, how convenient. Yeah. But do they really need Banner there to track that? Because, like, he had exposure to gamma radiation, sure, but that didn't quite go out so well for him, obviously. But can they have gotten, like, another scientist to have, like, tracked it? Like, do they really need Hulk, especially with him being the Hulk to be on there? Mm-hmm. Like, it seemed like a, a far kind of reason to get him 
on the team. Mm. Like, like, why even have him there? Like, do they really need him to track it down? Like, can they have tracked it through some other way instead of just like, oh, gamma radiation? Guy did gamma radiation, and he's the Hulk. Like, he should know how to do that and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Like, that was my question. Like, do they really need him there? Yeah, um, I just buy that they needed a scientist that knows gamma radiation, and it's like hiring a person that is specific for this kind of a field, which is definitely what they were going for, and that S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't invested in the Hulk. Even though they were, they cared about Banner. That's at least what they were telling Bruce. So, like, as far as they know, the only reason why they were bringing him in is because they wanted the brain of Banner. They did not want the Hulk. My only issue with the entire Gamma, and they mention this a lot, but to my knowledge, I don't think Incredible Hulk is actually created because Banner wanted to be a super soldier. I thought Banner was trying to be a scientist doing experiments on Gamma radiation, and once he did that, he ended up almost dying with an accident that created a Hulk. It has nothing to do with that he wanted to create a super soldier. And the Abomination is a try to try to create that serum of a super soldier to defeat Hulk. But, and it, obviously it's an Abomination. But in this movie, they say that to Captain America that he was trying to repeat the experiment that he did in the 40s. And I just don't think that's actually what Hulk was trying to do. Did, do you ever think that? I never well, thought that well, Bruce was trying to do that. I don't think Bruce himself was trying to do that. I think that's what Ross wanted to happen. Like, he wanted the super soldier serum, obviously. Mm-hmm. He just, well, he didn't tell Bruce that that was the goal. Like, he, he wanted him to experiment with gamma radiation and stuff with the prospect of having that be the goal for a super soldier serum mm-hmm. but he didn't tell him that that's what the experiment was which is why he experimented on himself because he thought i think he was i'm trying to remember exactly what ross said but i think he said he was trying to uh help soldiers heal faster like in a battle mm-hmm. i i think i'm trying to remember exactly from incredible hulk i don't watch that that often because the movie isn't that great but mm-hmm. i think because of that that caused him to experiment on himself and then that caused the whole thing to have hulk come up and everything so i don't think bruce knew that wasn't his goal to create hulk but i think that behind the scenes with ross like that's what he was trying to accomplish as the end goal he just bruce didn't know about it it's i think it's kind of there but it's also kind of not Mm -hmm. like i I don't know yeah that's all i had did you have anything else Nope, uh, that was uh, all about it for me. Okay, we can go on giving our grades here. All right, all right. Um, who do you want to start? I mean, I could just start off first. Um, all right. Uh, I know this is closer to you than it is super well to me, but I will say I watched this movie. It took me two days. I, I took some time. I watched half of it and the other half the next day, and... Uh, as I was taking notes and everything, this was probably the most enjoyable time I watched the movie because I was able to deep dive, know all the references, and just be able to just enjoy it. Uh, write down a couple of things and just um, not have to be in competition with wishing this was DC. I know that might be stupid and biased, but I really wish that. But this time I was just like, okay, I want to watch this for a review. So I watched it for the review and I very much enjoyed it. And... This not being 
the best Avengers movie that there is out of the four. Um, it might seem fluffy, which it does kind of seem fluffy compared to half the universe being snapped. Um, and how violent Thanos is compared to Loki. Um, and it might just show how bad Avengers 2 is, even though it's not terrible, because uh, Ultron should have taken more than just one movie to be defeated. That's just my opinion. But this uh, movie really is... A, you're not the only one. <laughs> but this movie uh, definitely is just a good standalone team-up movie. Um, and, I mean, the characters in it are all good. Um, I would say, like, out of... Uh, out of the six main Avengers, five of them are done pretty well. Um, it's only Hawkeye that I have a really uh, issue with. Um, and I have pretty much an issue with Hawkeye with all the Avengers movies. But um, it's just most of the Avengers are done very well. They're very much still the characters that they were in Phase 1, except for the Hulk. And what they did change with the Hulk, I make him the favorite Avenger of this team because he's just... Um, like, out of all those heroes, which one would I not want to be is the Hulk. But I find that one to be the most intriguing out of all of them. I don't know. It's just in this movie, I think Mark Ruffalo does it a great job having the idea that he has him under control. Until a certain burst of anger can get the Hulk out of control. But he has the monster under control. Um, even though the other Avengers are very intriguing in their own right. And I do not want to be the Hulk. I would rather be Captain America. But I like how they do it. They make it so personal when, you know, Black Widow is like, you know, I swear on my life, I would get you out of this. And he says, on your life, on your life. Like the pain that he's going through and all this, like, like the issues and like he hates the Hulk taking over his body and how big he gets. Like it's very personal and very like very hard to watch but i just enjoy it and i love the monster the hulk and i'm i'm the fan of the 70s big speed tv show so like i i i do enjoy and i would love to see mark ruffalo do a tv show adaptation of that um and he's probably the standout out out of all of them but robbie Downey jr is a great job chris evans does a great captain america nick fury's amazing played by samuel L. jackson so when i was grading this movie I um, knew that I had to give it a, a, a good grade for two reasons. One, for just evaluating the movie itself and for evaluating as well, secondly, how the movie um, gives us uh, good dynamics for the future. I'll say that, good dynamics. So when I, I settled on the grade, I settled on a 94 and A. Um, in my Marvel category, it's the lowest of the A's, but... I mean, it's not an A minus, it's an A, but I would give it a 94. Um, the reason why I would not put it in an A plus category and just keep it an A is that I think the movie does kind of, in, in today's world, um, I'm just going to have to critique it just on the episode one, you know, the aliens blowing up and the idea of Loki's plan doesn't kind of make sense for the best success that he wanted and for Hawkeye not being very fleshed out very much. And just pretty much with the episode one thing. That's just kind of stupid how that unfolds. So with that, I have to give it an A. But I would not give it a thing anything lower than the A. Hopefully that brings comfort to you. But 
<laughs> because I just think watching it again, I was able to realize that like with the music again, this movie is a major success, and it just you know that music. I I can just imagine remembering that music with Endgame and how that's supposed to get you. Like, you're, it's supposed to get your blood flowing. Like, that was the goal of the music. It's supposed to get your heart in beat with the music. Dun it, dun. And, like, it was supposed to get your heart into the music. And I just think it does that absolutely. So, it's not my favorite Avengers movie. Um, it might be my favorite of Phase 1. Um, you know, I'm probably, just, I'm just going to say it. it's probably the best of phase one because I think it is better than the original Iron Man. That might be a hot take. I, I, I disagree with that, but okay. But that's where I'm just going to land because I, Iron Man is obviously the second best. I'm not even going to compare the other ones with it, but I would just say this might be a little bit better <laughs> because I love, and I've dreamed of this team up. I've dreamed of the team up on DC. This is the team up I wanted in Marvel. And I was like, oh, they don't have Spider-Man. They don't have them, you know, they don't have X-Men. That's all going to come in the future phases. But this movie started that. And I just have to appreciate for what Josh Whedon did and Kevin Feige did in here. Um, so I would give it a 94 and A. All right. All right. Good stuff. I just, I just got to say, you know, given my grade, just how important this film is like this is a, a landmark film for not just the mcu but superhero films in general it took it took you know the mcu which was you know had some pretty decent films iron man being amazing and the other ones okay to their level of successes then avengers just blowing it out the water and being mm-hmm. the film where not only we had we had a team up of people and other films but where we also had films trying to emulate that like if you have films trying to start a cinematic universe because they want the level of success avengers had then you know you have something here and it is something that i'll always regardless of how i feel about it i will always treasure that as being important to not just the mcu but the superhero genre as a whole and i remember like i mentioned just being that kid being so excited to watch this film so excited to see these characters team up together because we never had that in a live action film before and they just do it so well in this mm-hmm. I know there's only six Avengers characters or six main ones that they try to flesh out but outside of Hawkeye they flesh out everyone extremely well they give them their arcs they give them a reason to be there mm-hmm. and it's just great to see these guys who never had any interactions before come to a point where they can become a team and you care about each one of them. That is great filmmaking, and that is how Josh Whedon was able to do that so well from the first film because he had a TV mentality while doing this, and it just worked really well. He took characters that were problematic in the MCU, at least in my opinion, and made them great. He inserted great jokes. It's definitely the funniest film of Phase 1, I would say. Mm -hmm. Iron Man probably gives it a run for his money but it's, pro- it's probably this one nope. um it yeah. has great has fun action it has great uh, character moments especially colson's death as being mm-hmm. you know a highlight of that i mean it's it's tough to critique a film that you've watched for eight years which by the way it's hard to believe this film is eight years old hmm. at the time of this recording like wow. it's just crazy to think that so so much has happened since then oh yeah uh, but, uh but it's just 
it's just really cool just to see this film to see where it starts and just how enjoyable it is it, it keeps me invested i i really enjoy that uh, you know just from all of the things that i've mentioned and even more uh there is some issues with it that i've mentioned you know not every character has their moments hawkeye kind of has his issues where he's not fleshed out that well marie hill doesn't belong here and the third act you know could have been tweaked a little bit more but a lot of these issues are just tweaks that if they had made a little change here and there it probably would have been an a-plus amazing film mm-hmm. but regardless th- this film just does a lot of things well with an iconic score from alan silvestri with the avengers theme which is mm-hmm. so great mm-hmm. that they bring it back in other films mm-hmm. oh, it's just mm-hmm. so amazing and it's just one film that i i enjoy watching every time like it's not a film that i love to watch all the time because i mean there is other films out there that have I probably have better action that have more iconic moments than the Avengers, even though there are some in this one. But it's just like watching Iron Man, like watching how Iron Man set up the universe. The Avengers is how the universe got to where it is today. And I just can't help but enjoy it. So thinking through this, through my grade, through how I can you know, feel comfortable uh, grading it. Because I had two grades where I was going back and forth the entire film giving it, like, which grade do I think it deserves? And ultimately, I give it an A because it just does so much right with these characters. It makes you want to see these guys, not just in their solo films, but in other teams, like uh, other team of other Avengers films that, you know, they did something right. You know, they got it down. And that is what they did, how it started the universe. And it was, at one point, one of the highest-grossing, the highest-grossing superhero film of all time until, mm-hmm. until of course, uh, I think Endgame beat, uh, not, not Endgame, the Fandy War beat that at yeah. outs and other films and stuff. But I started it all, started the craze, and I just, I, I'm kind of there with you. I feel like giving it lesser than a, a kind of diminishes what it did. And so I like it. And even though it is fluffy, I can appreciate doing the Marvel formula, doing it well. Not every film has to be dark. It has to be serious. There are films that can be fun, and this one is. It's a great time, and I'll always love this film. Even though it may not be the best Avengers film, I have to rewatch Infinity War and Endgame because I feel like those films might be better. But overall, this is a really good film. It might be the best one in Phase 1. I know I said, oh yeah, easily Iron Man, but... It might be Avengers. I, I might give you Avengers because they, they just did a lot of good stuff with this one. So I give it a strong recommend. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's amazing. It's it's so amazing. We wouldn't have the superhero films we have today if the Avengers was not great. We would not have Infinity War. We would not have Endgame. We, wouldn't, we might not have Justice League either, which might be a good or bad thing considering how you feel about it. <laughs> But it's just it's just so good how they did it, and I think that Marvel hit out of the park with this one. It's awesome. So I give it an A. Strong recommend. Go check this film out. It is awesome. Okay. An awesome time. Two A's here for the A movie. Okay. All right. We we agreed for the most part. Yeah, and we would agree on everything. You, I mean. Yeah. I, I know it, that. There are some critics of this movie, but I would say 97% of people think this is one of the best Marvel movies ever. Oh, yeah. So. Like I said, definitely my top 10, maybe top 5 Marvel films. And I think that's where most people rank this one. 
Like I, I feel there's, I think there's more people that love this film than are very critical of it. Definitely top ten with like the twenty three that they have now. So. Oh yeah, for sure. So all right, this is the Avengers review. Um, you know, I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna post this later on the message board, but I am gonna put a poll up later this week on asking uh, you the the listeners of this, who is your favorite Avenger? In the first yeah. team of the Avengers, who is your favorite Avenger? Um, and just you know, there'll be a poll. You can just vote on Hulk. There'll be all six will be there. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my favorite Avenger in this first movie alone, I would say the first with the first six team, um, I would say my favorite Avenger would be Hulk. I, I like Hulk very much. Um, so. I would probably go the Iron Man route, yeah. but Hulk is definitely a close second. Yeah, if, sure. I, if I just take this movie with the first ever Avengers team and who's your favorite Avenger, I would I'd be just on those... I would just be the nerdy little kid that just wants to go Hulk here. He's not the one <laughs> I would want to be, but he's definitely the most intriguing one to me. So, um, yeah. And even with... I mean, I don't think he's the best one out of all four Avengers. Like, if you take their story arcs of all four of them, mm-hmm. like, I think there's one that's better, that has better for all four films. But for this one, I I kind of prefer Iron Man. But like, like I said, I am not going to disagree with you on Paul Keyes. He's right. So, but we want to hear what you guys think. So when, you, when we put the poll up, vote, vote which one's your favorites. And we'd like to find out which one you love out of the original six Avengers. Yeah. So this is the Avengers movie review. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed, and we will catch you back on the flip side. Avengers, assemble.